Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Tigers Minor League Report. I am your host, Chris Brown. Rogelio, he's going to come along in a little bit. He's still bowling at the moment. I'm not, not quite sure how long that'll be, but you're stuck with me for a good 10, 15 minutes, probably. But uh, yeah, another fun week in the Tigers minor leagues. Uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about in general. We've got uh, the Tigers coming up what, with three big wins in Cleveland. And in, in really, once again, it's the young guys that are driving them, which is, it really makes the wins feel better, doesn't it? When, when it's the, the young guys, it makes you have hope for the future, which haven't really felt since 2021. And even then, maybe that's a good reminder to pump the rage a little bit. But, but yeah, it sure is fun to, to see uh, Torkelson and Green and Carpenter driving this offense and, and leading to some wins. Hey, Aiden, thank you. Good evening to you, too. And then, of course, the big news uh, for the minor league front is, is Parker Meadows getting called up after the game. Call him up, right? Some people have been asking for for months and months and months, and it's finally happening. And uh, I think it, it's it's good to maybe sometimes step back and, and talk about that as, as a nice a development win. Maybe we'll see. Time will tell how how Parker Meadows works out in the big leagues. But there were there was a good two three year period where it looked like he just wasn't going to make it at all. Right, like he was stalled out in West Michigan, not hitting for power, not really putting his speed on display. And it's the old adage, right? That, that development is not linear. Sometimes it takes time, particularly with guys like Parker Meadows who are big and tall and rangy. It takes him a while to dial in that swing, and uh, he appears to have done it at least to the point where he's getting called up to the big leagues. And that's like I said. That's, that's a, it's a development win. It's uh, maybe it comes up and it doesn't last long, but, uh, but uh, it's nice to see. So yeah. Hello, Stan. Hello, deadly, deadly ninja bees. He says, I like these, what are these called? Home runs. Yes. It is fun to, to have people hit home runs. Good luck to Eric Haas. Says Michael Irma. That's it. That's another one we get. We try to talk about this a lot, but uh, as fans, it's, it's easy to get caught up with the guys who aren't performing and, and it's easy to say, Hey, get that guy off the team. And, and. There's always that human element behind it that some of us consider at times, some of us don't. And the Tigers really had a nice farewell to Eric Haas with their, their tweet and, and brought in Carson Kelly, former top prospect of the, the Cardinals eventually. And he got traded to Arizona in the, was that the era Goldschmidt deal? I think it was, but uh, yeah, it, it's a bummer. One of the things we were talking about in the, the discord, Spencer Torkelson has been as hot as anybody in baseball and he had, uh, had six home runs in a seven game stretch which has only happened eight times for the Tigers since the year 2000. And Eric Haas was one of the other players who did that. There were times when Eric Haas was carrying the offense, but this year it just wasn't working out for him. And there does, there comes a point when, when you have to look at it and say, is Eric Haas a part of this team's future? And the answer is probably not. He just, despite, I think the pitchers like throwing to him, but it, it catching is the hardest position in sports. You can't give it to me otherwise. People say quarterback and say maybe their, their quarterbacks aren't crouching for three hours every day, but beyond that and and it's such a hard job but you you have to hit too and uh, he just wasn't and, and so there it goes but the Carson Kelly should be interesting see see what he can do over the next five six weeks and then uh, yeah and, and and one of the things that I've been curious about we've talked about this before is we're pretty sure that that there was a catcher involved in the Eduardo Rodriguez deal nothing's ever really come out of it but but connecting the dots with Donnie Sands being down and and Yuri for some reason it made us think that there was a catcher involved. So who knows if this would have happened with, with Eric Haas, if this would have happened three, four weeks ago, if not uh, for that trade deadline nonsense. But in any event, we are, we're back here. We're talking Tigers. We're talking Tigers minor leagues. Again, I think, what, what is it? Torkins is up to 22 home runs now. Didn't see that one coming. 
But I was looking at the, the data. It basically since May 1st, so just throughout April, since May 1st, Torkelson has been a 120 WRC plus player, which is basically the borderline, the baseline you need to be an average first baseman in the big leagues. Obviously, it, 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 the 120 WRC plus means you're 20% better than average as a hitter. But the defensive penalty is so bad for first baseman that to become like a two-war player, you have to be 120. And he's been that since May 1st, which is great, right? That's, that's the baseline. That's the player that I thought he would be, the Reese Hoskins type, the 120, 130 WRC plus. But since July 1st, that's getting closer to 140. And when you're talking about 140 WRC plus, you're talking about a top 20 hitter in baseball. And that's pretty exciting, right? That, that's, that's what everybody was hoping for when they're looking at those, those baseball smart sliders. You go, ah, oh, it's, it's, it should be happening. And it's, it's what those scouts, I had a scout tell me last year, he said he still thought Spencer Torkelson was going to hit 40 bombs in the big leagues. And that was in the midst of all his struggles last year. And so it's, it's really, it's really gratifying to watch I, as much as I've been critical of him and, and I've tried, try to be fair, but some people think that I'm being way too negative. And, and I would like to hand out some Spencer Torkelson praise right now because he's really carrying the offense and it's fun to watch. And then you can't forget about Kerry Carpenter. What an awesome story. He just continues to be, was it 18 home runs for him now? Just, just remarkable. The 19th rounder, Raj had a cool stat back there about he has more hits than any other player taken after the 13th round in Detroit Tigers history, something like that. He would know the, the exact details. So that's been awesome. And then you, Riley Green just keeps going out there and, and it seems like he's having a rough game. You look down and he's one for four with a walk and a strikeout. He's hitting 304 and he makes a great diving catch in center field. Exciting, exciting core. And they're adding a, a fun piece to it. I don't know. Historically speaking, Parker Meadows, as we talked about, he was, he was, stagnating for a while there in West Michigan. And then when he got up to Erie at the beginning of last year, after about two weeks in West Michigan, he struggled for five, six weeks. And then he took off from like June 1st. And if you look at it this year, I, I had pulled up his stats. It's basically the same thing. This art, you filter it back to June 1st, but since, since June 1st, he's hitting 271. 17 doubles, five triples, 13 homers, 13 steals to one caught stealing. And let's look at the advanced stats here with that equate to for WRC plus 110 WRC plus in triple A that's, that's gonna triple A is an offensive environment in general and in the international league is, is pretty good for that. And oddly enough, in fifth, third field there in Toledo is not a great hitters park overall, just by park factors, despite the fact that you see a lot of hitting there, the, it's not the, the biggest run environment in, in AAA by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun to, to see. I assume they're going to want Parker Meadows to play just about every day. They may give him some time off. We, we talked before about just the other day was the, the cutoff the, for the service time factor. If, if you want to, the new rules now, if, if a player wins an award within his first three seasons, you end up getting draft pick compensation. So if he wins rookie of the year, if he becomes a, an MVP, and I don't think we have to worry about that, either of those with Parker Meadows, but just in case they waited this long, you might as well wait just in case. So they waited past, so now he's got 43 days of service time potential to get, and they'll, they'll probably give him some days off so he doesn't reach that 130 at bat threshold. But I think we're going to see Parker Meadows play just about every day, which will be interesting. It'll be really interesting to see how they handle this because Akil Badu has been playing pretty well too. And, and Roger and I were talking about this when we, we went down to Toledo on Friday night, watched the Muffins play, and then 
Raj went to Akron by himself on Saturday, watched two Seawolves uh, games yesterday and today. So we got our quota of, of minor league games in, but we were talking about when Akil Badu is at his best, he looks like a potential all-star, right? Like he's, he's hitting for power. He's getting on base. He's causing havoc. He's stealing bases. It has just never been, he's never been able to maintain that for very long. And it, it's sometimes it feels like bad luck where he's, remember he got injured when he collided with Derek Hill in the outfield or he pulls a hammy or something like that. And then other times it's, it just goes cold for too long. And I don't, I, I still don't think we really know what a kill Badu is, which is strange after three you know, parts of three seasons, but uh, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to give him time and give uh, Meadows time. And, and Matt Veerling has been a solid offensive performer, hasn't hit a home run in two plus months now, which is an issue, right? You need your outfielders to hit for power, but he's been getting on base. He's been playing pretty good defense on the infield and the outfields. We assume that they're going to move him to third and, and really, I don't know if it's going to be McKinstry, Ibanez playing second base more, but really will play more third. And then you've got Meadows, Green, and Carpenter in the outfield in some formation, Meadows, Green, Carpenter, Badu. But this is fun. This is what we've been asking for for, for most of the year, and it's finally here. Um, and it doesn't hurt that it happens after the Tigers take three or four from Cleveland. The Tigers continue their dominance of the Central Division, which is super frustrating, right? Because they lose to everybody else. And uh, there's still 10 games under 500, but they, they're pretty good against the Central. So at least we have bragging rights there, even if they don't win the division. But uh, so yeah, as I said, uh, Raj and I went down to Toledo on Friday night. And we, we were trying to pick. We were trying to decide if, if we wanted to go to West Michigan to see Jackson Joe pitch again in South Bend or go to Toledo. And uh, Roger's been to Toledo four or five times this year. And I had only been once. I went on opening day, which I had forgot was actually March 31st. So it's been almost five months since I've been down there. And uh, on a given day, they had six, seven hitters worth watching. So it felt like it was time to go down there. And, uh, and, and as a special bonus, we got Sawyer Gibson Long pitching, who was rapidly rising, I would say, in the Tigers starting pitching ranks. But, yeah, I don't want to go crazy and say that he's a sure thing, big league starting pitcher, but uh, he, he's, he's getting close to being getting called up. So, you know, it was, ended up being a good night. We saw, we saw Sawyer Gibson Long set a career high, I think with 12 strikeouts. If it's not a career high, it's one off his career high, but it was certainly his best AAA start. He only gave a one hit and it was basically a, a blooper. Two walks hit a guy, but the slider was working. His changeup was working. He, uh, he was locating the fastball and it's, it's 90, 95. But yeah, really impressive outing from him. I, I, I've been saying he kind of reminds me of Alex Fiedo. It's, it's really, it's when his slider is on, he's, he's really tough for right-handers to hit. And he's been developing his cutter and the changeup to get lefties out. And it's working so far. So yeah, really a, a fun developmental story there. You call, he then got him for Michael Fulmer from the Twins. And, and we didn't have him in our top 30, I think, the first couple times we ranked the system. But he just kept performing, kept performing. We heard that the, the front office actually likes him, which gives us a, lends us a little, maybe taking a closer look at him. And yeah, he's just been pitching really well. And uh, if all things go right, we're actually going to talk to him tomorrow. So that should be fun. But yeah, so we were there in Toledo. We got to see Colt Keith get a home run, which is always fun. We enjoy those. It's his 20th of the year. And then we also got to see doubles from Winslow Perez and Parker Meadows. And it may have been Parker Meadows' last AAA hit. Who knows? And, uh, and then Justin Hermeloy had, had a pretty good game. He got a double. He also hit a ball 110 miles an hour off the top of the left field wall. And he hit it so hard, he got thrown out at second. He just, uh, he didn't have enough time. He's not the best in the world, but 
So we got a pretty good game there. Shut out. But instead, 17 strikeouts for all. But uh, yeah, we can, we can get in. Let me, let me go through here and see if there's any more questions before we start getting into the, the actual recaps, because I like to wait for Raj for those if possible. We're looking up people speculating about who's going to get released. That's, that's a tough one. We, we always talk about that, right? Somebody comes up, somebody has to go down and it's, it's not always fun, but there are, there are certainly options on the Tigers. They could, if they want, they're going to have Veerling playing third base more Then it's probably going to be one of Maton, McKinstry, Abanez, short, right? Theoretically, that's, that's who would make the most sense. Maton seems to be the one playing the least. If you're bringing up a left-hander, you may sit down a left-hander. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll know soon enough, but uh, let's see. Christopher Sheeta say, Hey, Chris, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you for asking. They crutch the uh, Perez now in Toledo. Uh, Witzel Perez is in Toledo. I don't know if there's a different Perez where I'm, I'm not thinking of. Uh, I'm looking through Carpenter has only played 80 games. Sorry. I'm just, uh, how, how's Matt, Max Clark doing? Uh, who was that? Asked that. Michael Rimmer. Uh, so yeah, Mike's Max Clark down in the Florida Complex League. He's doing fine. He's not, you know, hitting a ton, but I think he went two for seven the other day. It was just a, a interminable game. They played forever. 13 to 10 was the final score. It went to extra innings. Brett Callahan hit a three run homer and then the extras to yeah, lead them to the win. But yeah, both, both Clark and McGonagall, you watch those games and it's, it's really bad baseball. Honestly, some, some of these guys are throwing 87 to 89 with their fastballs. And then other guys will be throwing 96, 97 in, in but none of them throw a ton of strikes. If you find a guy throwing strikes, it's you celebrate. But uh, yeah, Clark is doing fine. They're 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 getting their footing in, in pro ball. He's playing fine in the the outfield. When he gets on base, he's disruptive. He's walking a fair amount. Same with McGonagall. McGonagall, we haven't really seen the glimpses of power, which is probably going to be the ultimate determinant of of how good of a player he can be because he's got ten walks, three strikeouts right now. He's like they don't throw a lot of strikes in the complex leagues. It's you, you can't judge much on that, but he's a guy who doesn't expand much. So just a matter of, of getting the barrels on the ball. But yeah, we had a, it was a lot of fun guys in, in the complex league this week. We saw Jenk Diaz pitch, I think at least once he threw two innings for us. Andrew Dunford pitched, although it was only the one batter and it was one pitch and he got a pop out and that was it. And Carson Rucker hit a grand slam. So it was, it was fun for those guys down there, but Max Clark is doing fine. No need to worry. No need to push him. We might see him in Lakeland, but, but no big deal. If we don't, let's see. Yes. Isan Diaz is already in Toledo. He was already sent down. Let's see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Matt Chapman here. That's something we can discuss probably on the, on Motor City Metrics. Did we fix Joey Wentz? I don't know. I think facing the Cleveland Guardians is probably a good fix for just about any pitcher. That's not. It's a pesky offense, right? They, uh, they force you to throw strikes, but if you do, they don't really punish you. So it, it, it's tough to know. I think it's likely that Joey Wentz is always going to have those kind of up and down starts where there are games where he looks good and he's sharp, gets guys out, and other games where it seems like they know exactly what he's throwing and where he's throwing it, which is a classic up and down starter, right? It's It's... We've seen it a little with Alex Fiedo. He's been better than that, I would say. But uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Wentz next year. If he wins a job out of spring training or if they go out and sign another starting pitcher, if they resign Eduardo Rodriguez, we'll, we'll see about that. But I think what I'm going to try to do now 
unless anybody has any other questions immediately, I'm going to try to share the screen. We know anybody who's been watching this knows that it's an adventure when I do that. But I'm going to share the screen and talk a little bit about Toledo because it's a triple A team. And they had a, a good week. They're almost back to 500 in the second half of the season. It's something we should talk about. Right now, the Tigers, Erie's in first place. They're tied for first place. West Michigan's in first place. And Lakeland is in first place. The Tigers, and Erie already made the playoffs, so they're already in. But you've got two other teams vying for the playoffs, which is uh, fun to see. We, we talked about it before. You don't want to make too much of winning in the minor leagues. You don't stack your roster with old quad A players just to win. But when you're trying to develop guys and you're winning, that's, that's good. The Rays do that. The Dodgers do that. Uh, it's a good sign. It's a good sign that the, the So, week 19, as I understand, the, the Mud Hens, 22-23 overall, went 4-2 versus Omaha. That's Kansas City's AAA affiliate. They're not very good. Hey, there's Raj. I can, he could save me from my, all right, I'm moving, removing this from the screen. Yo, 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 perfect timing. I uh, just went on a full diatribe about everything and anything. We talked about politics in the Middle East. We talked about. We didn't, but I was just about to do the, start doing the slides for Toledo. So I will get those slides ready to go right now. Thank you. I, I was doing my best, Jared, but I'm always bad at it. So it's all right. You guys continue to continue your discussion. Then I'm not here. I didn't, I talked a little bit about how fun it is with the, the young guys leading Detroit and now they're adding Parker Meadows, which is big, right? We've been, people have been asking for, for that all year and it finally happened. Discussing a little bit about that. We talked a little, a bit about Max Clark. Just somebody asked about how he's doing and I said, fine. And uh, other than that, it was just, I mentioned that we went down to Toledo. I mentioned that you were out in Akron, but uh, shout out. So I want to give a shout out to Greg for having me on for three innings on Saturday, which is a rare thing. If you listen to Greg and Sam, they don't really have guest people on. Greg keeps it very professional, but I get yeah. really thank you. That was a really cool honor to be there. And it was, it happened to be the inning where all hell broke loose for Uri and the bats. I stuck around today, had some great company, really good time today. I stuck around for a little bit, watched the first few innings, and then went from Akron to Bowling, Bowling to here. And so we're sponsoring a team. The Tiger Mindly Report, the, the, one of the guys on my team, has his wife works for a marketing company, and they're going to make our shirts for free. And I'm hey, like, you, you want to be sponsored by the Tiger Mindly Report? He's like, sure. So there'll be our logo on a shirt for the Tigers bullpens team there you go the bullpens bullpens yeah that just reminded me while we, we were down in toledo ran into a listener in the bathroom all places <laughs> Dustin, so shout out to dustin <laughs> where i was washing my hands and he goes hey i listened to your podcast every week we're like oh man thank you so yeah, dustin he, if you're listening thank you again it's always fun we always really appreciate it when people recognize us because it makes us feel big yeah it was funny because i was riding my, I, had, I didn't dry my hands correctly and then he went to go shake my hand i'm like oh no 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 and <laughs> felt bad so i didn't want to i don't know i didn't want to shake somebody's hand with dry my hands were clean anyway yeah no, all right was fine. We yeah. Were, i don't even think you went oh yeah you did whatever yeah like we say it was it's nice to see people and anything if you want to come chat with us feel free man it, we yeah. love talking to, to everybody about baseball and and uh, if you see us in the game absolutely say hi yeah by the way uh, yeah shout out to stan too i had talked to stan for a few minutes this weekend too oh nice 
Yeah, so there will be a list. By the way, we're going to probably end up doing it. So tomorrow we're going to have an article out on catching, or Colin wrote an article about some of the catching situation in, in the system. And they're more likely in a couple of weeks, there'll be a, probably when the season ends or not, we'll have a, actually, you know what? I'll probably create a rule five list and put it on our website in a tab. I had it, I had it done. That's right. I did have, you know what? Wait a minute. I think I had it done. But anyway, I will yeah, put I mean, that up. I can, I can run it down real, real quickly. I go ahead. Uh, uh, run it down. Um, so Dylan Dingler, anybody taken, any college player taken in the 2020 draft needs to be protected if, if they don't want to lose them. It, right now, that's probably just Dylan Dingler. But also Wilmer Flores, who was an undrafted free agent, but he was a 2020 guy. Colt Keith was a high schooler, so he does not need to be protected, but they probably will eventually anyway if they, when they right. plan to call him up next year. Sawyer Gibson Long will probably need to be protected because, as I mentioned earlier, he's getting awfully close to being big league ready, and that's a potential starter that you don't want to lose to some other team. Beyond that, it's uh, Kyder Montero will need to be protected. We think that they'll protect him for sure. And then you're looking at uh, maybe Jack O'Loughlin, Maybe Roberto Campos, maybe Andrew Magno. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I think that's about it, right? And, and Campos seems highly unlikely just because he's in, in high A and not, he's hitting fine, but not doing enough else for another team to think that they can stick him on the big league roster. There's definitely also because of the way he feels out there, there's liability, honestly. So you really don't want to uh, risk that right now. We did get a question whether is there a spot from the 40-man roster with Shreve being released? That's a good question. I think. I don't think they. So so they they brought in Vasquez, right? I think Vasquez replaced him, didn't he? I don't know if that was direct one-to-one. I'm looking at the Tigers 40-man right now. Yeah, because so I see. So Wengnetter is back down there. He's on the 40-man. Vasquez is on there. Hill, Ingler is on a 15-day IL. Boyd, Alexander, he was replaced by Vasquez. Okay, so he was. Okay. All right. Yeah, we are people answer the question in our chat. But yeah. All right, so let's get in. Did you get into Toledo yet? Uh, I was just about to right, right when you okay. uh, hopped on. So, yeah, we were there. So, Friday's game, Sawyer Gibson Long probably pitched the best game I've ever seen him pitch. Just it was a masterful game. We're going to, by the way, we're going to be talking to him tomorrow night. We're going to be recording an interview with Sawyer Gibson Long. So, we'll have that on our channel so people can check that out. And if you have any questions for Sawyer Gibson Long, please leave them in the chat for us. And uh, we'll we'll throw them in there, too. But Winsiel Perez, I thought I had a pretty good game, too. And, oh, wow. Buy some of that barbecue at your next barbecue. I don't think I've had the barbecue at, at West Michigan. No, the penguin barbecue? Like yeah, there's a I think it's Oh, that's right. I think we did try that. Off the Frickers building. No barbecue off the Frickers building. I thought Winsill Press had a pretty good game Friday too as well. There was a lot and it also it was a good chance to see Leonard out or again Chris's first opportunity. What was your thoughts on him when you saw him? Yeah, the main thing that, uh, so his first three plate appearances, he swung at the first pitch all three times. I think he put it in play twice. So I was like, all right, well, this is a pretty aggressive guy. I, but I knew that coming in. And then in his final plate appearance, he, he put together like a seven or eight pitch, really battle, really nice at bat, and, and, and ended it with a deep fly ball to right field, opposite field, not quite to the morning track, but it was a really nice plate appearance. And he had a couple of really nice plays on defense. 
like I certainly like I, I would like to see more to say, okay, this guy can actually play shortstop, but it, he looked fine at shortstop, right? Like he looked like he's a guy who could fill in there at least. Yeah, he's he's a legit positional player prospect in the system. I, I think you're probably looking at a utility guy, right? Like they talked about playing him in the outfield, but seemed like some interesting tools there. So I, I was, uh, yeah, like it wasn't like a, oh man, this guy sucks. It wasn't, wasn't anything like that. I was like, all right, he's aggressive. But it, in some regards, he feels a little bit more like an Avila Tigers prospect, if you will, like a, like a Willie Castro, Victor Reyes type. There are tools there. Is he going to get to him because of the aggression? I don't know, but uh, it was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a bad first impression. I'll say that. Yeah. That one play where he was like scrambling to on, on chopper, that, that chopper made a really nice play on, on Friday mm-hmm. and. And Tyler Nevins had the last good couple of weeks. You mentioned it here. He's in over almost 600, I, but yeah, I, normally we don't leave two lines for one player, but it's, I was looking at stats last week and stats this week and they're, they're, they're bonkers. Like, I don't think Tigers fans want to see him again, but if anybody else were hitting 500 with power, I think they'd probably get called up. So it wouldn't shock me if he gets called up before too long too. He might be the September call up guy. Just to, that one last look to make sure that they don't. If something is real there, but uh, yeah, he's been bombing the ball. It's been absolutely killing the ball and, and they're probably going to have people ask when they're going to bring him up, but then, yeah, they're like, no, 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 wait a minute. No, we can't have him. We can't have him up. We already know what he can do. You can make that argument, right? We've seen that he hasn't been good in the big leagues. He's been, he's been fine in uh, Toledo and more than fine, obviously the, the last couple of weeks, but yeah, it's questionable as, as to whether he's actual big leaguer, but if you hit that well, you might as well take one more look um, and it was another last week it was it was Justin Henry Malloy getting babbipped he had like one for 21 week but it wasn't a ton of strikeouts it, it was just bad luck and that's kind of Colt Keith this week there was one game where he hit the ball hard four or five times and it just happened to be it was like second baseman or right at the right fielder and we were talking about it in, in the in the in the game we were there we uh, we were talking about they're just not throwing Colt Keith fastballs for the most part unless they have to and that's what happened. The uh, the pitcher got behind 2-0 with a couple of breaking balls, change-ups. Keith didn't swing at him, and so he had to throw him a fastball, and, and Cole Keith crushed it to the roost. I don't even know if it's still called the roost, but that sort of little upper deck outcrop there in right field. I think, I think it's called the roost still, I think. But uh, yeah, so he's 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 still struggling a little bit with the, the AAA secondary pitches, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's an issue, right? I don't think it's a ton of swing and miss. It's just... He's, I think he's still living for the fastballs and when he gets them, he crushes them, but they're not, they're not giving up to him. It's, it's what you expect from AAA, a bunch of slop, right? And he's having to, to wade through that slop. And one of the things that I noticed too, is that they are increasingly throwing him on the inside too. They are not giving him, yeah. giving him to put his, extend his hands out. And so when he hit that home run on Friday, was it Friday we saw him hit the home run? Yeah. Yeah. Friday. I thought he did a good job of dropping his hands and just able to get the bat on it pretty quickly. But other than that, it was just, he cannot, they're doing everything they can to just not allow him to get, ex, get extension on any, anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty basic sequencing, right? They're going soft away and hard in yeah. and, and, but he, if they keep trying to go hard in, they're going to regret it because yeah, like you said, he pulled his, he's got a really quick bat he pulled his hands in, got the barrel on it and, and drove it right down the line. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot more soft away going forward still, but yeah, he was fine. And and then 
like you said, it was Babbitt. But this week, it was Justin Herman Malloy still hitting the ball just like he did last week, but he was finding finding the grass, finding the walls. That's that's a strong week. And you saw he tweeted. He was super excited about Parker Meadows getting called up, which is nice. I actually like their tweet, too. Yeah, I, I think rare. these guys they, these guys know. Parker Meadows was a 2018 draft pick, right? It's been five long years for him. Grinded it out. 18 was rough. 19 was rough. 21 was rough. But 22, he figured it out, and uh, here we are. He's going to get a, a taste of big leagues now, which is, which is cool. Yeah, he's going to definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for him. I really am. I, I think there's one thing that is very apparent to me about Parker Meadows is you, you have to look beyond the batting average, too. People are just going, who's true? Bet. Sorry, people hate that voice. Not screwed. I'll do it anyways. It's my show. It's our show. He's been 253. No, there's a little more to that, and he's been. Hitting lefties, the biggest improvement of Parker Meadows' game, the one thing that he, it was something that he really, really worked at was hitting against lefties. Like last year, he was in the low two twenty, like I think two twenties or something to that effect. And right yeah, yeah. And right this year, his split against lefties this year is pretty remarkable. He is he's batting two fifty four, which is. But the, the the big difference is he's batting with more consistent power on there. He's got a slugging potential over so 500. Last year against lefties, Parker Meadows hit 196, 225, 336. It's a 562 OPS, three home runs, three walks, 34 strikeouts. His OPS against righties was 888. So a more than 300-point difference. That does look like a guy with platoon issues, right? But let's say you mentioned it this year. It's 254. Yeah. That's a that's a sixty point raise in batting average, but as you also mentioned, not just batting average, power. So yeah, lefties two fifty four, three twenty one, five hundred, seven home runs against lefties this year, thirteen walks to thirty three strikeouts. So he's walking his OPS against lefties this year eight twenty one, righties eight eighteen. He's actually hitting lefties better than righties overall. So pretty pretty as you said, pretty massive improvement. And and I mentioned it earlier, he struggled for the first couple months since since. June 1st, he's hitting 271, 346, 527 uh, overall. He does that every year. The last two seasons, or last three seasons, he's done that, where he's come on strong in the second half. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's well-deserved, and uh, yeah, we're excited about it. So I I was joking that we might have seen his last AAA hit. Probably unlikely. He'll probably be back in AAA at some point next year, at least a little bit, but uh, still fun. Yeah. By the way, the question of whether he's going to play more games in Austin Although, it, what granted, it is a fair question to a certain extent. I don't, I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable answering that question because I, I, I don't look. I know that if he's dealing with mental issues, and a lot of people are frustrated that he's not playing. But I just feel like if whatever's going on with him, whatever's going on with him, and yeah. Then there, Harrison Garrett said, "Is is, is Meadows a better center fielder than than Riley Green?" I think so. Yeah. It's it's tough. Riley Green, I think, has probably slightly better instincts. But Parker Meadows is a guy who, who doesn't make a lot of diving catches because he doesn't need to. He outruns the ball almost all the time. He's He's got really long strides. He can just track down just about everything. It's going to be really fun watching him play center field in Comerica. He may struggle a little bit, right? Not everybody is, is perfect when they get up. But uh, I think your ideal outfield configuration has Parker Meadows in center and Riley Green in the corner. Take your pick which corner you want, right field, left field. But 
I maybe I I might go left field in Comerica. I think left field's a little bit more territory to cover, and I think Greenwood could do that well. But yeah, I think I think Meadows. Honestly, I think Meadows' defense is probably going to be what keeps him in the big leagues for for a long time. It's he's not like a, somebody asked if he was like a Kevin Kiermeyer, and I, I don't think he's that level. I don't think he's a Gold Glover, but I compared him before to Dexter Fowler, maybe at a ceiling. A guy who, a big, tall, rangy guy can go out and get it. And who else? It was the, the Zimmer, the other Zimmer kid, the non-pitcher Zimmer. I thought. Oh, is it not Bradley Zimmer? It's a... It might have been Bradley. I don't know if it's Bradley Zimmer or Kyle Zimmer, but one of those guys, big, tall, rangy. And if he hits for power and gets on base and steals, that's just a bonus, I think. I think he'll do it enough to be a, a solid player. But you know, one of the things that we've, I've been puzzled by a little bit, is we just don't see him ranked. We had him fourth in our in our top thirty update because we thought the 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 floor is really high because of that defense. But we keep seeing he's like tenth or lower to pipe wide into Baseball America, and so I'm just I'm curious what the scouts are seeing that we aren't. So we'll, I don't maybe we'll find out in the big leagues. Maybe he just be drowning up there, but I don't know. I I think he'll be okay. I think so too. And you look at I think. What's going to happen here, based off what happened today, you could probably see another move or two in the next couple of weeks. I, I think there's going to be moves more. So especially with the, the end of the season coming along, the Tigers, let's talk about the big league tub, club for a moment. Take a series against Cleveland. You saw Sun Circleson did a really good job on that. And it leads because it does lead to a conversation with Carson Kelly. And I kid you not, Chris and I, when Carson Kelly got released by Arizona, I go, somehow I thought, we, we even said it, I wish I would have said it aloud, said the, the Tigers could probably make a move on him. But then, remember, we talked about that on the podcast, and they're like, well, who would yeah. be moved? And unfortunately, it was Eric Haas. And, and by the way, whether he accepts the assignment or not, or goes down to lead or whatever happens to Eric Haas, we wish him the best. Uh, Dearborn kid, so anybody that's grew up around here knows him, and he's, he's familiar with the area. It's unfortunate, but the Tigers really are in this position now where they can't have sentimental ties. And it's not going to be the days where guys like that can stick around. They either produce or you're gone. But uh, I miss yeah. this is the second one this year. First it was Scope, and now it's Haas, unfortunately. Like I talked earlier, catching so hard, and, and it's just, it's people don't appreciate how hard it is, I don't think. And it's just tough, though, because you still have to hit a little bit. And, and we've seen him do it before, but he just wasn't doing it this year. And Honestly, I think it was more about they just don't think Haas is part of their future, right? Like if, if they, they thought Carson Kelly, if he comes up and plays well, they've got him for next year as well. So I think that was just like, all right, let's, let's get a look at another guy before just sticking with, with Haas all the rest of the year. Yeah, it, it's, it's a bummer, but it's the way it is, man. It's professional sports. You got to produce. And uh, they, they, give, they gave him a pretty long lease and it just didn't happen for him. But uh, as you said, we wish him well and, and, Maybe it's not the end of Eric Haas, right? It'd be cool if he gets to hop on a, a playoff team or something like that and, and be a third catcher or who knows. But it would also be cool if he sticks around in the org and, and maybe comes back up next year. As far as, did they show their hand with the singles promotion? Singles promotion? Yeah. Are they, are they going to be like one promotion? Is that what he's? Dingler promotion. Oh, Dingler the Dingler promotion. promotion. It was the old. Oh, old um, I don't think so. I think. Because even more, I was talking to Greg over the weekend, the Erie Seawolves announcer. He was even, we talked about this on air. He was even caught off guard with Dingler going up. 
And so I think that was, again, uh, here's, here's what I think. The Tigers were set to make a trade with the Dodgers, and there was rumors it was a catching prospect involved in that. So I think what happened is, is that they, whoever they were going to get in the Erod deal was going to come in, and Dingler probably would have stayed in Erie the rest of the year. But now because they released Andrew, Andrew Haas, they're down a catcher, and Andrew Knapp, I'm sorry. That's it. And Eric Haas. Eric Andrew Hosh. Andrew Knapp and Eric Hosh. Yeah. So with that being said, I think that that was the reason why. I, I think that's just, again, I just educated guess. So yeah. I think the reason why, by the way, I think the reason why it's a bummer to some people, and he wasn't producing for people, but he's a local guy. And it's been a long time since the Tigers had somebody local they can tie with. The last person I could think of really, that top of my head is, Pat Sheridan, I'm talking like 40 years ago. Pat's the last player I can remember, or 35, yeah, 85, 86, was the last time I remember. Pat Sheridan was from Westland, the same city that Eric Haas is from. So Daniel Fields was up for one game, I think. Yeah, but that yeah. doesn't, yeah. No, I'm, try, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't recall. No, it's, Stan, you're right. It's just one of the things where, where when we cover these guys, we see the guys grinding in the minors and, and then they get released. It's, it's just always a little bit of a bummer when, when the dream doesn't, the dream comes to an end, right? Like the local kid, he was on his te- the local team. It was a great story, but yeah, it, like, as we said, you got to produce. And at the end of the day, he didn't. So it's not a bummer for the team. It's just a bummer for on a personal level, because you know, you, you hate to see that happen to anybody really, except for there are select few players that you don't mind getting. Let's say Aubrey Huff was on the team again. You don't mind him getting blown out or something like that, but it's, or, or a, a Trevor Bauer type giant, giant jerks, if you will, you don't mind so much. We've talked about before. Haas was the one guy willing to talk to the media yeah. after win, lose, disaster, whatever. You remember that, that crazy game last year in Minnesota where the mud ball, it was, I think it was a Miguel Sano deep fly ball to right field. And, and yeah. uh, I don't remember who it was who dropped it. And then they had him out at home and then Haas threw it in the left field. He talked to the media after that. It was a horrible mistake, and uh, but he owned up to it. And that's just, I think the beat writers give credit to guys like that. No, okay. So, John Schreiber, yes, to his, yeah, pitching wise. I'm talking about positional player wise. I can't, I should have specified positional player wise. Any Van Hecken, I'm sorry, Michael, that was a Grand Rapids guy. And I never, I, I, I'm talking like somebody in Metro Detroit. I'm talking Metro Detroit area. John Schreiber would probably be a good example. Dave Borowski, I remember more him as a Houston Astros than a Detroit Tiger. Sorry. I, I, yeah. And Drew Verhagen was from Grand Rapids. Same thing, though. It's not. Verhagen was? Yes. I had no idea. Was. I'll be damned. I thought it sounds like a Grand Rapids name. I just Definitely. remember him from Vandy. Andy Van Hecken with the great, what is it, complete game with one strikeout in his debut or whatever. But yeah. Any event. Haas gone. And Cleveland is a catcher. They're getting only. Outside of Bo Naylor, they don't really have any production. And and they've been, they've been, they had Haas originally, but they just got rid of a catcher, right? To let Naylor play more often. Yeah. I don't remember who it was, but uh, anyway, yeah, we can move down to, to, to Erie. You were there in yeah. Akron. You saw some of this action. Yeah. So Luis Santana's home run to center field was, this guy is a small guy, but he's all muscle. Excuse me. And it was one of those things where you watch it happen. It was a pitch that came on the inside. Santana just took it. Was a, it was a it was a it was just a blast. Not, most unexpected blast. 
they were getting no hit for six innings against a guy who they blew up, they hit up pretty well when he was in Erie. Then they bring in a reliever who they had no luck against, and they were just teeing off. Chase Young hit a home run. Chris Myers hit a home run. It was, it was a different team, and they kept, for every time that Akron had an answer, the Seawolves responded pretty well. And what, I think the biggest t- takeaway, too, especially Brent Herder's start, which was Saturday, it wasn't his sharpest start. He started getting, he started calming down a little bit. He had a rough outing a little bit in the beginning, but it was really Myers, I mean, Myers and, and Bigby. Bigby was another guy who, yeah, I like how you put that in there, down week. He was a guy that kind of got, he, he's the one that gets things going. Friday, or on Saturday, he got a hit, started everything up. And it was just a little chop grounder that he beat out and broke up the no-hitter and then he allowed for the pitching change that happens. And Daniel Cabrera, in the limited time I did see him, had played pretty, pretty good defense on right field too. Like, I know he's not a quote-unquote top prospect anymore, but Cabrera's been playing, he's been playing serviceable out there. But Young, again, one of the things I was talking to the guys on the broadcast who was that a lot, apparently a lot of the, Right up on Young is that he doesn't play good defense, and I beg to differ. I I I don't understand where this is this narrative is coming from. I think he's done a pretty good job on defense. He plays his range well, and he makes a sure throw. And something I joked about that he didn't have with Perez. Yeah, the, yeah. With with Chase Young, we had all sorts of concerns heading into this year just by by what he looked like last year. I th- I was worried he wasn't going to hit for power. He's dispelled that notion pretty soundly. I was worried he wasn't. Uh, gonna play good defense. He's super steady, like you said. If he can get to the ball, he makes the play. It's it's. I'm not worried about his defense at all. It's not the most range you'll see from a second baseman, but that might come into play twice a week, if that. Maybe once a week, right? If he can get to it, he's making the play. That's all I care about. Uh, I still have some concerns about the the pure hit tool, but he's still walking a decent amount. And he's still hitting for that power. He's climbing up my personal list. I had him 13th, I think, in the last update. And, and I think I need to soften that negativity because he's doing everything else, really. It, it's it's just, I just am still a little bit concerned about breaking balls down and in and fastballs up. But uh, it's hard to argue with the production, that's for sure. As far as and Sam brings up bringing up Big B, regardless of his draft spot, it doesn't matter where his draft spot is. He has produced, granted. But again, where are you going to put him? If, Tal- if they haven't, so right now with Parker Meadows, a good opportunity would be for Bigby to go to t- from up from Erie to Toledo. I just don't, they don't have the room. He's a guy who has to play on a regular basis. And if they don't have the regular at bats, I don't see the point of bringing him up. I'm sorry, I don't. I just, you don't challenge look, somebody like that without been giving them the regular amount of bats, at least in my opinion. It'll be really interesting to see. I wonder if we're just going to see Wenzel Perez in center field on a regular basis in Toledo now. Because Witherspoon's gone. So the other outfielders are, they played Lipsius in the corner. Malloy's a corner outfielder. I'm trying to think, like Leonard, maybe we'll see Leonard get some center field time. Kreidler has played center a little bit, but it wouldn't shock me if it's Perez in center for the most part. And then you've got Malloy in one corner. And and they theoretically could call up Bigby. We talked about this before. It's it, like you said, it's just a matter of him making, making sure he's playing every day. These guys, they want them to get at bats. That would be fun. That would be a, a nice... Or proof of concept of, of we're pretty high at Big B. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's necessarily like something that they, they feel like they have to do, right? It would be a nice reward for them, but we'll see. Yeah, that's another thing too. And Perry brings up a good point. 
they they're going to need him for the playoffs because honestly, without him in the lineup, their offense is he's straw straw the stirs the drink, man. I'm really I believe, really believe he, that. No, absolutely. Like he's he's on base all the time, mostly through hits. But it's not like we said he's four walks, four strikeouts. He's not he's not a big strikeout guy. He's not a huge walk guy, but he walks enough. But he's on base plenty. And then you've got Young and Myers are the power hitters. And, and beyond that, yeah, it's it's. Now, Mal Jerry has his on weeks and his off weeks. And yeah, every now and then you get a, you get this Luis Santana week or you get a Jake Holton strong week. But uh, yeah, without Bigby, that offense is, would, would take a huge hit. Now, again, how much do you care about that as opposed to getting Bigby some, some looks at AAA pitching? I don't know. But I, I, it certainly, I don't think it would hurt him to stay in AA and, and make the playoffs. But he just didn't hit in 350 plus. So maybe, maybe he does need a new challenge. I don't know. Yeah, I, look, if if I'm if I'm the Seawolves or I'm the organization, I want him to ha- experience as much winning as possible. Have him stay in Erie, get the playoff experience, and go from there. Toledo's not going to make the postseason this year. Lakeland's, I think Lakeland West Michigan still have an opportunity to. They're and both in first place. They're both, yeah, they're both in first place. And with the two call-ups, the call-up at the beginning of September, that's really, I, I don't know. I, to me, I think Erie fans would be really upset too. And that, Think about the fans' perspective here that this is an organization that's going to the postseason for the second season in a row. It rarely happens. And so I think Alvarez has done a hell of a job with all the changes that have occurred with the pitching staff, too, the injuries and what have you. And I think just it would make sense for me. It would make sense for him just to stay there. I know people want him in Toledo. But again, just for my personal opinion, I know we saw Dylan Cruz get the call up to double A. Tonight, the Nationals call them a double A. Every organization is going to be different. The Angels are going to do Angels are going to do stupid things. That's what they're going to do because <laughs> they don't have any prospects. But continue. Go ahead. It's it's you can say it's stupid, but I think they went into the draft the last couple of years looking at guys that that couple of really small school guys who produced at crazy levels, and they thought, okay, these guys can probably do it. And and Zach Nano has done it in the big leagues, and Nolan Januel, he was involved in a triple play in his first game, which is cool. But yeah, it. I don't know. I, I the one thing that kind of strikes me about Erie is, is you look at the pitching stats there. There wasn't a ton of like outstanding pitching this week. Uh, even Lyle Lockhart, I didn't put his numbers up there. He's he's been their best pitcher, probably most consistent pitcher over the last couple months. He he got blown up today, but they still came back and won. And that's just a testament. Again, it's a testament to to the team and to Gabe Alvarez that they keep winning. With despite losing early in the year, they didn't have Navigato and they didn't have Dingler and they struggled. Then they got Navigato and Dingler and, and they were great. They've now lost Navigato and Dingler again, but they're figuring out ways to win. Yeah. Um, you know, big hits and big moments and the pitching is coming through when they can. It's, it's Ty Madden. It's just frustrating, just frustratingly middling given his, his arm talent, but uh, he just, that's what he does. Seemingly he'll follow an outstanding outing with kind of. Five innings, four and runs, two walks, five strikeouts. That's like a classic Ty Madden down start, if you will. And as you mentioned, Brant Herter had a rough, I want to say first inning, then settled down after that. Pretty much. But it wasn't. Yeah, he yeah, he was he was able to get ahead of counts again. He was struggling earlier and when he fell behind, that's when the Ducks took advantage of it. But this is a here's the thing. Toledo Mudhens are the last team to win a title. I believe it was the 2000, they won the Governor's Cup in 2005. And they well, haven't. The Whitecaps oh, won. 
Whitecaps won in twenty sixteen. Sorry. Sorry, Erie has never. I'm sorry, Erie has never won anything. Gotcha. Yeah, sorry, I meant to say. Oh, you're right. I forgot. I totally forgot about the Whitecaps title. The Whitecaps won a title. It was 2015? 2015, 2016. One of those two years. Yeah. They had Joe Joe Jimenez on the team. So that tells you how long ago it was. Anyway. Yeah. So Erie deserves the championship title ring. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the front office would want one. Most people, whomever, would want that ring. Don't give me the look, Chris. Don't give me the look. Because you know why I see merch people? Because I would I would get a fake ring in there. Because you know, you know that their mar- their merch person would probably go and put a bunch of rings out there. Yeah. They gave out those a couple of years back. They gave out the fake rings, the fake championship rings. It'd be nice to give out real ones, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's and right. I, I about that. I, and they would probably would do a a fan like replica championship ring. I'm sure they would. Yeah. So that'd be fun. And for selfish reasons, I would just want one of those. Yeah. Oh, you know, but let's move on. <laughs> let's move on to West Michigan. And the Whitecaps took care of business against South Bend. They now control their own destiny in first place. And it was funny. Actually, it was not necessarily fun. It was funny to see Carlos Pena back because we had no idea what happened to him. He just disappeared for a couple of weeks. And this was probably the best stat line of us Colorado has put up all season. We were hearing some rumors about him having some arm issues and not willing to deal with it. And the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway too, they asked me who would be somebody that could go up the area right now and help out. And I mentioned Troy Melton and he had another good week. Yeah. You know what? I wanted to look up, I was scrambling toward the end of, of trying to get these things up before the show started and I didn't finish Lakeland. So just to let you know, I, I got close, but to the next slide, there might be a couple of things missing, but yeah, I, I, I'm curious how Melton, I'm going to try to look it up right now where he stacks up among all the pitchers in the Midwest league this year, because, and we talked to Jeff last week and he seemed he was the guy he seemed most interested in in the Tiger system, at least uh, among the pitchers. Um, yeah, what a really odd outing, right? Six innings, barely any contact or barely any uh, zero damage, but only only one strikeout. Just a lot of weak contacts. I don't know. There, there's. Uh, I think there's a lot to like with Melton. I think he's still learning to pitch, but uh, yeah, if they need an arm, he's certainly got that. Right, he can come up and, yeah. and he can he can he's thrown enough strikes. He's got. The, the fastball and the other stuff flashes. Yeah, that would be a fun, fun arm for them to get. The, the arm everybody's watching is Jackson Job, right? And we talked about, we made the right decision to go to Toledo on Friday instead of West Michigan, because we've already, we saw Job's two previous starts in person. And not that we don't like seeing that, but it's like, all right, let's go see some of these Toledo bats and, and Job struggle. I actually haven't gone back to watch. I heard, I saw a commentary that the ump in that game wasn't particularly good. It was really squeezing them, which happens in the minor leagues. They're minor league ups. So. I have to go back and watch, but it doesn't shock me. He's going to have some bumps in the road. Remember, he's, he's still got, he's probably got fewer than 100 professional innings still, maybe slightly over 100, but uh, there's no, there's, again, no debating the stuff with Joe. Yeah. And yeah, it was, to see how sort of Gibson Long went out there and dominated too against lefties too. I, I again, we'll, we'll be talking more with him tomorrow, but if you're just tuning into the podcast, if you have a question for sort of Gibson Long, you want us to use the question just leave them in the chat below on the YouTube side of things. And if you're listening on audio, thank you for listening. But Isaac Pacheco, there was another guy that Greg and Sam asked me about. And yeah, oh boy. It's, it's been, it's just been a, it, I, w- I would hesitate to say a lost year for him, but it's just been a really rough year. He's hitting 192 or, or 190 now, just, just not hitting, it, which is really disappointing based on what we saw last year. We thought that he was really 
uh, you know, had a chance to take off this year and it hasn't happened. Doesn't mean the book is closed on him by any means. I think he's going to have to make some swing changes in the off season. He seems consistently, consistently late on fastballs, consistently early on breaking balls, swinging over breaking balls and under fastballs. Basically it's, it's, he's going to have to figure out something to get to the ball quicker. I, some guys can do that. Some guys can't. We talk about Parker Meadows, Parker Meadows did that, but Parker Meadows never had, even when he was struggling, didn't have the strikeout issues that Pacheco has had this year, which gives you some concern. The power's there, the defense is there, the arm is there. Just got to hope that he can figure out the hit tool next year. It's a, it's a big year from next year. It's definitely a big year. And he, defensively, he's fine too. And yeah. I, it, he, he does a good job on the left side of the infield. But yeah, you're right. Colin mentions in there, Meadows took a time, took his time before he developed, and he's only 19, 20 years old. So Pacheco still has time. Yeah. No, that's a, all I was saying is, is, and that's a great point. Do you really, you hope that, uh, you hope that Pacheco can follow in Meadows' footsteps? And, and maybe it's not next year, even. Maybe it's two years from now. And even if that happened, it wouldn't be a big deal, right? Get him to double A in, in 2025. Yeah. He'd still be okay on, on track. But as I said, like the, the issues are different. Meadows, it was, he was just not making solid contact ever. It was a lot of lazy fly balls to left field and was a lot of pulled rounders to, to second base. And he finally figured out how to hit the ball harder. That's not an issue with Pacheco. It's just an issue of, of getting the bat on the ball, which is always a little bit more concerning to me because he's, he's missing in the zone a lot. But there are things that can be done about that. And, and hopefully he will figure it out in the offseason. You know, you know what's funny, by the way, is I was just thinking about this because we haven't, it just dawned on me that Parker Meadows was one of our first ever interviews we had on the channel. Yeah. It we, might be the first video. Yeah. I think it might be. Yeah. I believe it would want to be, I believe it is the first video on our channel. I, I'm going to pull it up real quick because obviously you can't. You and, uh, yeah. I, I just looked it up. I just looked it up that, that Melton has his one, a two ERA is the second lowest in Midwest league among all pitchers with 50 innings. One, eight, two. Wow. That's, that's impressive. The fifth uh, is like three, but still. Yeah. No, but by the way, it's funny. One of the, for the Kevin Montero's triple A start, the thumbnail was the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I don't make Raj does people don't know. Raj does all the graphics. He does all the podcast producing. He does all the graphics. Um, so if there's a video on YouTube without a graphic, it's because I put it up there and I didn't tell him or didn't have time and I didn't try. But yeah, so sometimes it, it automatically picks out some really funny stills. You did do the Nick Quintana one, though. Graphic. Oh, God. That was years and years ago. Yeah. That was, Four years I, ago. Yeah. That <laughs> was... I made it. I tried to make it as silly as possible. Is that still there? Yeah, it's still there. It looks like a Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah, I was trying to make it. Yeah. So look, yeah, at, look at young man, skinny, also Parker Meadows. Yeah. 90 games. Our mic audio is pretty bad, but anyways, if you go look for it there, it's, again, actually, I'll probably even send the link in there for anybody watching. Yeah, but this is, this is early on. So anybody that remembers us putting this up, first and foremost, you went a cookie. With us, yeah. For sure. yeah, stick yeah. With us. First of all, you, thanks for sticking with us. But if you've been here since the beginning and you actually remember this and actually remember this, I will give you a t-shirt. I will. I definitely will. Because this is early on in the early days where I, we had literally no idea what we we're doing audio wise. We just went as we went. And so anyway, all right. Some Parker Meadows throwback. I'll, like I said, I'll throw in there. We also have a Brian Garcia interview too, if anybody is interested. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Yeah, that was the day you I know. met Alan Trammell. That was the day that no. somehow Alan Trammell would... <laughs> yeah, that was... Damn you, Tram. Damn you, Tram. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Like, yeah, that was... I, I, don't was I don't know if we've told that on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Chris... So, Alan Trammell came up to us. And what was it, Chris? Go ahead and... Well, I... He's the, the roving in, infield instructor, and that dude works. He's not he's not an assistant to the GM in name. He's down there taking infield for three, four hours, working with the guys. He's still playing baseball. And all I wanted, I just wanted him to tell me about various minor leaguers, and he, he just wouldn't do it. I, I'm not really comfortable. I haven't seen him in a while. I like, And I just kept trying to, I was asking about player after player, and he wouldn't tell me anything. So I'm like, all right, I know you're a Hall of Famer, but I don't want to talk about that. So I'll talk to you later. And then Raj got to have a nice sit down conversation with him and talk to him about the past. And it was really, that was really cool. I don't know. I recorded that, but I don't know if the audio came through at all. No, the audio was, yeah, it, it was, was. It's just a moment for, for Helio and Alan Trammell to, to save her forever. Yeah. Um, but it was funny. Yeah, it was like, uh, thanks Trammell. Yeah. I forgot every single stat about Alan Trammell. I was reciting the stats before. Didn't the initial beast call me a creepy guy? <laughs> Jeez. All right, so let's go to Lakeland. And Lakeland this week had a phenomenal week. And, okay, before you say Roger, they had a 3-3 three and three week. They came back from 14 runs down, and it messed with – Chris, Chris's theory is correct. I think it messed with the Marauders because they were never the same after that. They were up 14 to nothing in the debut, Paul Skeens, and Lakeland came back within one and lost within a run. Yeah, and, and I think we mentioned it last week's show. We said this is a super scrappy team, and I think we even said, like, they could be down 9 nothing and come back and, and take a lead. And I, I was joking about that, but but serious. Like, they, they've done that a bunch. And, yeah, that, that was almost the most remarkable comeback I've ever seen because, and I joked about it. I put Max Anderson hit a home run, and I, I joked about it. I said, and it pulls Lakeland to within 13 runs. And then they just kept adding on runs and adding on runs. And they had the bases loaded with one out. In the ninth inning, when they were down fourteen to thirteen, I thought for sure they were going to come back because Bradenton's pitchers were struggling to throw strikes. They were hitting guys, and Seth Stevenson was up, and he is just a menace, right? Like he gets on base, he causes all sorts of trouble. But they struck him out, and then Christian Santana was up, and he just missed. He wasn't close to the wall, but another quarter inch, half inch farther down the bat, and it would have been a grand slam. He just missed it. So, yeah, it was a hell of a comeback. And then, like you said, yeah, after that, I, I think they had a doubleheader and they split that. And then I, I want to say they won the last two games. Maybe uh, maybe not, but they, they certainly, today, they, they were holding Braden to one hit. And uh, it was a wild game. There was They were scoreless until the ninth, and then they scored a run and they called a rain delay. They came back, I don't know, half of an hour later, and Abel Bastidas hit a grand slam. And it was one of the, the weakest grand slams you'll ever see. He was he's batting left-handed. Hit it to left field, and it it was ninety miles an hour off the bat. You, I, I put that in there, and somehow it cleared the left field fence. They all count, and then immediately after that, they called another rain delay, and right. uh, sure enough, they won six nothing. But uh, yeah, so that was a big because Bradenton, I think, is two, like they're in third right now, and they had a chance to get into first place, and uh, and Lakeland held them off. So it was it was a nice week for them. They needed that week too because there was there was first and foremost. They're on TV. They're on TV. And Jaden Ham was the first time I seen Jaden Ham pitch. Man, I love that wind up, dude. That is that's gonna be a fun guy to watch. Yeah, it feels 
like a potential reliever a la Tyler Madison down the road. But I think they're going to continue developing him as a starter. They might as well. But he threw almost exclusively fastballs today, and, and he got a couple diving catches, or got a diving catch and a nice running catch from J.D. McLaughlin in third center field. But other than that, yeah, he was... He was Looked good. He was locating the fastball, and, and he threw a couple breaking balls. But, uh, yeah, that'll, he, he's going to be a fun guy to watch next year for sure. I don't know if he will start in, in West Michigan. But, uh, yeah, it was nice to nice to see. That was that was the big thing about this week was they're in Bradenton, which means it's our last yeah. chance to see these guys on video. And we got some pretty good looks. I, I didn't, like, I got Marcano's outing there. I don't even know if that is actually correct. I don't think I updated it properly. Colin Fields had a good outing. I'm going to try to go get that. Marcano was out there. He pitched well. But yeah, it's just nice to be able to see these guys on TV a little bit. Christian Santana had a very Christian Santana week. Just doing what he does. A couple of hits, but one of them is a home run. And then more walks and strikeouts. Jose De La Cruz, I think he had a bomb in one game. But Max Anderson was the big. He just kept getting, he was doing the Julio Rodriguez act. He just kept getting hits. Some of them were infield hits. Some of them were outfield, but kept getting on. And somebody who asked, Perry said, how old is Anderson? He's 21. He was there. Second round pick this year. And he's a second baseman right now, potential first baseman down the road, maybe. And there's some concern about him just not being like a, a huge athlete. But uh, so far, so good with, with the bat. He's hitting a lot of opposite field hitting, which I don't know if that's, you don't know if this is our big question with Justice Bigby was, was is he doing that because he can or because he has to? And, and uh, with Bigby, it's because he can. With Anderson, I, I think it's because he cared, but we don't really know. It's still low A. Yeah. Hang on a little beat on that. But there was a, was it, who is that? Opposite field grand slam. That was just a, and like today. That was, that was Bastidas. It was, uh, it was, it was the flukiest home run ever. I think it got caught in the wind in like 30 mile an hour wind or something like that. Cause it just <laughs> barely, he reached out and poked it and it just went, but yeah. So man, good week for them. I'm trying to think, let me look at the. I think I had their stats up. If there's anybody else that Matt Walker, you know, rehab and lefty, he was in the Arizona Fall League not that long ago. Five innings, only one earned run, four strikeouts, not bad. Joe Miller, decent start, four innings, only one run. Cliver Perez, a lefty reliever, not bad. I'm looking down. I'm looking down. Edgar Edgardo Ibarra had the monster, like the awful outing. That was the one that 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 14 to nothing game. He just got blown up. And if he's a soft tossing lefty, it's like the next Carlos Pena, maybe. He just had a rough outing, but it happens. And I didn't, I didn't finish the Flying Tigers report, so I also did not touch the Complex League reports, but I did get to see some Complex League games this week, watching, somebody watching did, my video. Somebody asked us the difference between Complex League and Single A, and it's basically Complex League is almost like simulated games. It's the best way I could describe it. It's a lot of raw talent. You're not going to see, you just don't get me wrong. It's you're still going to see some guys in there, but it's slightly above college ball, Chris. Well, the complex league, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I, I would say it's slightly above high school ball. It's okay. It's, there we go. It's, <laughs> it, it's the quality of high school baseball with guys who have, with half the guys who have some major league tools. So it, it's, it's, Picture a bunch of baby giraffes running around or something like that. Like I mentioned earlier, you watch the games and there's some guys who are sitting 87 to 90 and that's their fastball. And then there's another guy throwing 96, 98 and nobody throws strikes. There's occasional strike throwing, but 
it's, it's, yeah, it's not good baseball at all. It's not uncommon to see four or five errors in a game. It's not uncommon to see catchers who can't catch. So it, it's, it really is just a chance for these young guys to get out there and play sort of organized baseball. Like you said, it's, it's like scrimmages basically, but organized, it's organized chaos in other words. Yeah. And, and, but you just see some, you see some guys with legit skills, right? There was a, there's a kid on Philly who I, I'm not flagging on his name, but, uh, the broadcast, he was, he was doing 2021 20, in IVB on every fastball. I was like, and he kept throwing it at the bottom of the zone. I'm like, dude, throw it at the top of the zone. What are you doing? And when he threw it at the top of the zone, swing and miss every time. But so it's, it's a lot of learning, but we, we got a couple outings. I mentioned earlier, a couple outings from Jank Diaz. Hopefully that's how he pronounces his name. That's how I'm pronouncing his name for now. We'll see. Three hits, two walks, two strikeouts. Didn't give up any runs. He, he looks impressive. He was up to 95, 96. Breaking ball is like 27, 2800 RPMs. As a legit changeup, there's there's a lot to like there for an 18 year old kid who, you know, barely played in high school. Uh, yeah, also just, said, we also saw Jonathan Rogers. Go ahead. I was gonna say no. I was I like the mechanics. Is it just me, Chris? Is that kind of a? We only see a pitch. The Tigers usually a guy like kind of almost over the to, almost over the top, right? Almost like in his uh, limits with 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 Jake Diaz. Actually, I got some video on my phone. I'm gonna take a look. I you know what? I'm, I'll I'll pull up. I'll put up on X real quick. Is we did. I wish you would stop calling it X, damn it. I, sorry, I know, I know. I, I'm just. What I saw on news stations in Akron, in Akron over the weekend. Go, you can find us on X. So I'm like, oh, oh okay, well, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. I, I was just looking at it. It's high three quarters. It's, it's, but yeah, it's, it's. He looks like he's a fully grown dude, but also looks like there's a chance to, that he could slim up a little bit. I don't know how to say it. Like, he's not fat or anything like that but it just feels like he's not more grown him. like you get him into a professional training regimen and he seems like a guy who could really so this is Jaden ham right yeah sorry Jayden yeah, I'm, i was talking about jank diaz oh, okay but yeah no Jaden ham you're right is is uh, a more over the top it, like i said it, it's a little bit like madison and, and like Holub, where it's it's over the top fastball and he pairs it with a downer breaking ball you didn't see a ton of the breaking ball today, but I do watch him. Jaden Ham pitch. He was up to up to ninety five today. Average about ninety three and a half. And there's some deception too with that that windup. Nice running catch by McLaughlin there. And this is where the Flying Tigers needed need, need pitching really bad. And it's good to see Jaden Ham come in there and hold the zone. That was a good sign because I could see him starting the season in Lakeland before getting a call to West Michigan. Yeah, and there's, there's always a question about the college guys, college draft picks. Are they going to pitch at all after the draft? And it's nice to see them getting out there at least. Yeah. I will take a lap. I will take a lap in the morning tomorrow. I'm running on fumes here, but anyway, yeah, this was Jank Diaz. We did, we, did we post oh. it on Twitter? I didn't yet. I was trying oh, to figure okay. out a way to, to get it where I was also displaying the track band. I thought that would be fun for the watchers, but I couldn't figure it out. And then I had to go to a birthday party, but, uh, but yeah, no, he, he's, he's a guy who it's, it's, it's a big arm. I think I'm excited. I think we might, we probably won't see him in West Michigan next year. He'll probably be in Lakeland, but, uh, but yeah, he's one of the, the, the most exciting guys that we, that they drafted this year. I think in my mind, we also saw Andrew Dunford, who was like 92, 93, uh, only threw one pitch in the, uh, in, in the, the outing the other day. You got to pop up, but he pitched a little bit more earlier than, and one fun thing, one of the games this week, the FCL Tigers played at Joker Marchant, which meant 
he was on Hawkeye. So we got all the spin data on Diaz. We got it all on, on Jonathan Rogers, their 20th round pick, who was not throwing very hard. He was like 90, 91, but he spins it really well. And same for Blake Piveroff, the, uh, the 19th round pick, I think he was. Maybe that sounds about right. The Arizona State kid. Yeah. He, uh, he's a spin monster. He was throwing 90, 92, but the curveball was 3,000 plus RBMs. So if you can get him some velocity, that's, that's another interesting player to keep an eye on. So yeah, just some fun stuff. The, the one other guy I want to mention, the FCL, and I talked to, talked to Gary about this was Joe Adamitz, who was the guy that I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He was a guy from Liberty that they drafted last year in like the 15th, 16th round. And I, I, he was my like, we, we talked about him in depth a couple uh, about he a month was, ago. He, yeah. He was one of my under the radar, like my like under the radar picks for this year. And then he was hurt for most of the year. But one of the fascinating things about him is, is we got, he pitched in that game with, at, at Joker Marchant. So we got the, the Hawkeye date on him and his fastball and his changeup are almost identical in terms of movement and spin, but they're like eight miles an hour different. So it'll be really fascinating to see. I, I would imagine that is incredibly hard to pick up as a hitter. If your fastball and your changeup are moving exactly the same and spinning exactly the same, but are eight miles an hour different, I can't imagine how you would hit that as no. a hitter. So, by the way, uh, uh, they, Anderson, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We're 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 almost done here. Yeah, I'm waxing on about FCL pitching, but so that's just that was an interesting thing that pulled from the data, and, and Jerry loves that stuff too. So you were chatting Jerry, about that a little bit. So Jerry got by the way, Jerry got really pumped when I gave him the Hawkeye data that I got from. My, my source yes on saturday yeah i I'm, I'm curious to see if you can pull out the the he pulled out data he pulled out the magno data too oh gotcha all right so good we have magno from triple a too but i heard it would be interesting too. thanks harrison thank you harrison for the two dollars off the prickers building oh, we got, you know what's funny it's spilling over onto twitter we're getting requests for the <laughs> We're getting requests for this. Off the prickers building. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just and, rolling through here again. Oh, we yeah. also, in that, in that Joker Martins outing, we got first inning by Rainer Castillo, who was a guy that we were excited about last year, right? One of their yeah. higher dollar international pitching signs. He looked, data was solid. We also got Hayden Men pitching, Daniel Evans pitched. So a lot of this year's draft picks and, and new guys were pitching. That was fun. And uh, trying to look real quick. I'm check the batters. I think Max Clark did not necessarily hit a bunch of stuff this week, but I think he got credit for stuff this week because of the weird how it works with games getting delayed by lightning constantly. I don't know what it is. I think the backfields in Florida are just all lightning rods. Yeah, they. Yeah. Yeah. It's either it's either sweaty bath water hot out there, or it's. You get that. When I remember going in February, oh, this is a nice time of year. I'm like, it's hot. And they're like, wait till August. And I remember going last year, because last year I went to Lakeland around August. And it was, well, that was brutal. That was brutal. So. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Um, uh, one oh, yeah. last question for the evening from Tyler Parker. All right. And he asks, what do you guys think of Cole Turney? I know he played a small college, but his numbers were insane. Has he seen any playing time in FCL? Yeah, he has. I'm looking at right now. This week, he went six for 14 with two doubles, a triple, five RBIs, one walk, five strikeouts, two steals. He has a really fascinating story. We talked about it, I think, on the draft show. 
that he was a top 200 draft prospect back in 2017. So that's two years before Riley Green right, as a high schooler. But he, he bounced around from multiple schools. Houston, I think he was in Arkansas briefly. It's, a, it's an intriguing bat. I worry that, that it's complex league and he's 25, right? Like we, we wouldn't know anything about him until he gets to double A. And by that time he might be 27. But he had, he had the pedigree. I just, I don't know if he has the, the bat to hit advanced pitching because you don't see it. But uh, it's a fun, certainly a fun story for an, a non-drafted guy. And I think he went to the same junior college or division three school as Mark Connor, Tiger scouting director. So there's some, some connections there too. The one guy I, I wanted to mention just before we go was Brett Callahan. One of their draft picks this year, he's just been tearing it up in the, in the Gulf Coast League, the Florida, Florida Complex League. I guess they just don't have room for him elsewhere. But he hit a, he hit the big three-run home run in extra innings this week. I want to, his numbers are, he's got to have like 1,500 OPS. It's just not fair for these college guys to be playing. It's a 12-26 OPS. Sorry. Made a nice diving catch. He's just, he's playing guys who aren't nearly as good as him. And so it shows. But uh, Max Clark had a down week overall. I think it was three for 19, two walks, five strikeouts, two steals. McGonagall was two for nine with two walks and one strikeout. Carson Rucker, I mentioned he had hit a grand slam for his first career home run. Josue Briseño, five for 15 with a home run. Other than that, yeah, not a, nothing that like really stands out like crazy. You know, Samuel Gill. Yeah. Heel went five for 10. That's pretty good with five walks, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty quiet during the FCL this week. But uh, so coming up this week, the let's see Toledo, let me see here. Toledo's back on the road, I believe. So Toledo's at Louisville. Toledo's at Louisville. Louisville. Yep. And then Erie comes home for two weeks before got, the playoff. They got Bowie and Jackson yeah. Holiday, unless Jackson Holiday gets called up to the majors, which has been rumored. Yeah. There's a, there's a, by the way, it was funny. Thank you, Perry. Out loud. Thank you, Perry, by the way. We appreciate that comment. He said, thank It's a great show. No one trusts more when it comes to Tigers Farms and these guys. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Perry. And uh, also, thank you to, we had a, I had a guy DM me yesterday. Forgive me. Um, I'm trying to remember his name off the top of my head right now, but uh, thank you. It was really kind. Send some kind words about the show. What was I saying? Eerie. Uh, well, um, oh, it, the name was Austin. Austin, yes, thank you, Austin, Austin. I was thinking about no, who's Lakeland plays Clearwater, and Clearwater is chasing them and standing, so that would be a very good divisional match for them. Saying so, yeah, Erie's not road for Erie's at home for two weeks. Man, I cannot talk. I, I thought my, my, all my brain is filled with this double A Erie, and you had a hell of a weekend, man. You, yeah, we drove down in the traffic for whatever reason around Toledo is garbage. I, I got to your house. A little later than I wanted to, and we missed uh, a little bit of the the game on Friday just because the traffic was so bad around Toledo, and then you hit it again on the way home today. What is up with? Okay, why is this state so stupid when it comes to construction? It, what the seriously? What the hell? Can you get it right, please. Fix the damn roads. Whatever. Just stop. I, it's come on. Yeah, maybe maybe that is what's happening. I don't think so. I think they've been fixing the roads for seventy years. You get charged okay. nine bucks to go on a damn turnpike and then you have to wait 30 minutes, 30 minutes to get to the turnpike, uh, the exit out of the turnpike. Screw you, Ohio. <laughs> Seriously, um, there's not much good about Ohio except for things in Cleveland. That's, a, that's about it. What else was I going to say? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
before. Oh yeah. West Michigan's at Peoria. And then they, I think are at Lansing before they finish the season hosting Great Lakes, right? I'm going to be at a bunch of those Lansing games because it's the closest stadium to my house. And Jesse is fantastic. And a friend of ours, friend of the show, I would say. Yeah. He's a friend of the show. Wrestler. And then other than that, I think we're, we're going to head out to Erie for the playoffs, right? Which is about a month from now. Yeah. Although Greg said we should head out to Erie before the end next week. Next so, week. Yeah. Because there, there are certain, or like maybe for, yeah, we should head out there for, because you want, you get on the broadcast. It's only fair that you get on. But there's what am I going to add? Yeah. But look, Ohio as a whole, in general, in all fairness, is a fine state. There's some great people in there. There's some fantastic food. I thought you were just saying Ohio as a whole. Oh, no, no, no. Like a lot of people think his armpit is with a W. But uh, no, Ohio's fine. Ohio's fine. But there's the reason why I mentioned things and people all that in Cleveland are they're fantastic. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to honestly, for, for the most part, I mean, yeah, it's fine. It is. Own Thugs and Harmony are from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, Melt. That one, that one guy. Ohio as a whole. Okay. Who's, who's that stupid rapper? Was with with uh, he uh, immediately gave up on rap and, and started dating Megan Fox. What's that idiot's name? He started doing what? He's made, dating Megan Fox. Oh, Machine Gun Kelly. Machine oh, Gun Kelly. Machine, yeah, that guy's yeah. But Nine Inch Nails yeah. from Cleveland, right? That's, yeah, Trevor from Cleveland. Yeah. So. No, no. Listen. Shout out to. Look, there's a lot of great things in. Okay. All right. I'm trying to save myself. Yeah. So we. I agree. Yeah, we have. There's, there are yeah. many fine people from Cleveland and, and Ohio in general. Yeah, M- Thank you. Um, everybody yeah, who listens. I don't care. M- okay, so he's called MJ or MGK. MGK. Yeah, does it matter? That's funny. Here's a, just a quick aside. Back in my underground hip hop concert going days, I went down to something called Scribble Jam, which was a MC battle, DJ battle, B boy battle, all that stuff. Back in the early late nineties, early two thousands. And there was a very different Machine Gun Kelly, Machine Gun Kelly rapping back then in, in MC Battles, and he wasn't any good either. So anyway, I'm just saying, yeah, look, not a terribly original name, MGK. No. You know what's cool? There's cool initials. Your initials are cool, CB. I know a lot of people that are CBs that are fantastic people. So it just goes yeah. along with that. So, yeah. I'll tell CB. you a CB joke later today. <laughs> but Yeah. All right. You can yeah. tell the right, people sending it. It's time to go. Thank you for everybody watching. Thank you for everybody listening. Thank you for everybody listening. We appreciate it. Shout out to, again, shout out to Greg, shout out to Sam, shout out to Christy who set up the tickets this afternoon for that. Thank you for everything. It's been been a great weekend. John Dever, Saturday night in Toledo. What? Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. John Dever. So, on that note, Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you this week. Don't forget to check out the Sorry Gibson Long interview we'll be posting this week. Have a good night, everybody. Which reminds me, I have to set up.